We work so hard to get stronger, happier, more productive and successful. Don't forget the secret ingredient. Get grounded and play. Play grounding when it's time to get a life. everyone and welcome back to Playgrounding. This is Kara Stewart-Fortier, still here in the treehouse at Theory Labs at the Brewery Artist Colony here in LA. And what a crazy week, right? Oh my gosh, like I keep thinking there can be no weirder things that you can say is happening in the world or America when a presidential candidate is calling people fat and we have clowns terrorizing America. Um, probably the, the worst thing right now as we record this, Hurricane Matthew is pummeling the coast of Florida, and it's kind of why I have to let you know before this interview that I recorded this back in August. Um, this was back before Hurricane Matthew, before the Californians had our first ever earthquake warning. It was issued from the governor's office. That never, ever happens. Um, we had until October 4th to hold our breath and hide under the kitchen table, which was kind of interesting because October 4th was my birthday. So I'm really glad they let us out from under there. But anyway, um, I'm telling you all of this because the interview this week is with an artist named Kevin Raleigh. He makes art for a living, but he teaches emergency preparation the emergency preparedness classes. He does that for fun, which I find really, really interesting, especially when I first heard about it. But now it all makes perfect sense. And I really wanted him to share it with you. Um, Kevin, aka Kevissimo, he's an award-winning mixed media photographic artist. His signature style is called the oil graph. It was a technique he stumbled upon back in 1994. He mixes traditional darkroom prints with oil paint. It's just beautiful. So stunning. Um, his work will soon be featured in the upcoming movie called Magnum Opus, directed by Kevin Elliott. And I would like to wait to talk about his art until it gets a little closer to the time that movie is getting to be released. So today, we're just going to talk about his passion for emergency prep. Um, now, it doesn't sound like a fun subject, right? I mean, I didn't. Um, but then I went to one of his classes, and it, it was a class he called Earthquake 101, A Humble Guide for How Not to Die. Um, already, I thought that was a little cute, whatever. And then I actually went to the class. He had us all laughing, and we were participating and going home to make plans with our neighbors. My favorite section of the whole thing was the myth-busting section. Um, apparently, growing up in California and being educated about earthquakes my entire life, um, because I haven't been paying attention for the past few years, I'm completely out of touch with um, what you really need to do to um, prepare for an earthquake. So apparently, if you have a child in your life who's been learning this stuff at school, ask them or go to Kevin Raleigh's website or better yet, right at this particular moment, um, listen to this interview. Kevin's philosophy is that we have a lot of abundance around us, but bad things happen. And sometimes our planet tries to kill us. And when it does... What kind of person are you going to be? Are you going to be in denial now and completely helpless later when disaster strikes? Or do you want to get educated, get prepared, and then get on with enjoying your life without all that unnecessary fear of the unknown? Well, let's find out. Here's Kevin. I have known Kevin for like about 12 years now, I think. At least. At least. Yeah, at least. <laughs> really, really excited to interview him today about a topic that I 
actually don't know that much about in his life. So I know the outcroppings, I know what's happening, but I don't really know how it all evolved. So right. welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. <laughs> so you have, I have always known you. He's Kevin was an artist, as I mentioned in the bio. Um, he has recently become known for earthquake preparedness. Um, he's a ham radio operator and apparently, you know, really, really involved in these things. I always hear the ham radio on Wednesday nights, right. you know. <laughs> yeah, somebody will broadcast it yeah. out, the, out the door. And the more I really look at what you're doing and think about it, um, the more I'm really fascinated by it. And I'm really, really happy that you're doing it um, right now. This is hugely important. So yeah. can you tell me a little bit, just, can you tell me the how this all started for you? Like, what it, was, it was sort of out of the blue for me, really. <laughs> I mean, I was such a, uh, and I I was here for the Northridge quake, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I was there, you know, 4, 14 in the morning when my CD collection and books tried to kill me and jumped across <laughs> the room and... We're out in the hallway with the candles, listening to the radio, where we're hearing the 10 freeway collapse. And I snuck <sighs> off a phone call to my parents, left a message, say, hey, when you get up, um, I'm alive. And, eat, and the line goes out. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and you know what? And you would think that something like that would really kick someone like me into gear. Mm -hmm. But it, for, for whatever reason, it didn't. I don't know if it was just denial or mm -hmm. it's never going to happen again or fear or whatever it is. You know, the extent of my earthquake prep was like I took the cans of food that I didn't like and kind of stuck them in the back of a shelf <laughs> with like some like sterno you know and that was it when it's the you end know? of the world I'm really gonna like this no stuff. water no you know nothing you know yeah. but then all of a sudden just in the last like three or so some odd years I just kind of realized you know what we used to have earthquakes all the time mm -hmm. like yeah. every month we'd feel like a little three or a four and it was just a normal thing and they weren't scary I always found them exciting mm -hmm. and then I realized we kind of stopped having them we have a, an That's occasional true. one. Mm -hmm. And then I just start, so part of me is like a light bulb went off and thinking, wait a minute, the math dictates that we have to have a large event. Mm -hmm. and, and once I started doing the research and realizing like we're 150 years overdue, mm -hmm. I thought, you know, maybe it would be prudent to maybe do something about this, Absolutely. you know? And also I wanted to do something that was sort of a corollary or a, a contrast to this whole kind of fear-based uh, doomsday preppers yeah. culture, which is all rooted in fear yes. and, you know, survival of the fittest and arm yourself to the teeth. And it just became this whole sort of doomophiliac type of, you know, mentality. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, why don't we just take a realistic, practical approach to these kinds yes. of things? You know, if we, or say when we have this big event mm -hmm. and we don't know when it could be 30 years, uh, scientists say it could be earlier. Uh, it could be tonight, tonight, you know, mm -hmm. we don't, we don't know. Yeah. Uh, there's no real, good metric to, to predict them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you get very little warning. Uh, and so I thought, why not do the work? And so I started, started doing the research. I'm like, well, what, do you, what does it take? Mm -hmm. And you realize, what you know, and that's, all it, and that's all you really do is you look and you study, like, what do I need? We need, what are your basic needs, you know, in terms of prep, mm -hmm. in terms of uh, getting your place ready? Yeah. Um, a lot of places are just not earthquake ready. Mm -hmm. You know, you you know, there's basics that people can do like right now, you know, take mirrors down from around <laughs> your bed, yeah. you know, keep a flashlight and, you know, boots by your bed because chances are you'll probably be in bed mm -hmm. and, you know, have a minimum, minimum three days of everything that you're going to need to survive. Uh, the fire department, Red Cross, all recommend 
two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Yeah, and I have all this stuff on my website, uh, k1kmo.com. Uh, there's a little shopping list on there and an earthquake class and all the rest of it. We'll make sure that's on the show notes on uh, yes. CGP17 online. So, yeah, and the funny thing is back when I, because for several years I didn't actually see you very much. I moved mm-hmm. away for a while. When I came back, you had kind of just started dabbling with this stuff, but I remembered having a conversation about kind of the general culture of doomsday preppers and mm-hmm. how it was all very much a fend for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, buy gold, buy guns, yeah. take care of yourself, make a bunker. Um, it felt very selfish in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And then, but when I started hearing what you were saying, um, not only were you telling people about how to prep, but you were also encouraging people to take care of one another, to make right. that your... And, and that really struck me because I'd never heard anyone be kind of put a, an ethical or a moral imperative on it like the way you did. We need to be right. able to take care of one another. Well, yeah, I, I don't believe anyone really is an island. Um, and, a, and a lot of people just think that, you know, look, you know, I'll take care of myself mm-hmm. and screw everybody else. Yeah. But I'm like, look, we're part of a community here. Yes. You know, we need to, like, know each other's needs. Mm-hmm. Um, very few people have all the resources that they need at one given point. So mm-hmm. we know that, you know, John over there has got a chainsaw. So yep. and so over here has got this. This other person's a nurse. Mm-hmm. You know, all these all these skill sets add up to, you know, us getting through things together. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a great program called Map Your Neighborhood. Oh, cool. Which is, uh, it's basically neighbors getting to know their neighbors. Nice. And saying in a case of event, they know that, you know, Nancy's elderly over here or... Mm-hmm. You know, so-and-so has got these resources, and you also can go and check on one another to see how how everyone's doing. Yes. And it's a great way That's to just great. not only just get to know your neighbors, but also pull together, you know, your own resources. Yeah, when I was living alone as a single woman and in Santa Ana, I didn't know any of my neighbors. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I moved here and started thinking about this stuff really right. seriously for the first time. Oh my goodness, I feel so lucky that I know my neighbors because yeah. it's the first place I've ever lived where I know after an earthquake, I'm going to walk outside and turn my head and see someone who knows who I am. Right. And that's very rare this mm-hmm. day and age, especially in a city like Los Angeles. It's true. And, and the other thing is, is about not being an island, like say you're at work, mm-hmm. you know, and your bunker and all your supplies are at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, granted, probably, you know, guys like that have stuff in their car or whatever, but yeah. but still, you know, you don't know. There's, a, there's such an unpredictable level uh, an element of the, of things of this scale. Yeah. And the difficulty is that most, most people, and this is just not, this is generally everywhere is most people just like nothing is ever going to happen. Uh-huh. We've been talking about the big one since I was a child. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, but the, the scale of time in seismic history is, is, is long. It mm-hmm. has to happen yeah. mathematically, seismically, it has to happen. So mm-hmm. the only logical thing is let's be ready for it and then get on with your life. Yes. You know, exactly. know what you need to know, know what you need to know. Uh, that's why I really recommend CERT, uh, C-E-R-T, a community emergency response team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will, they teach you all the basics from, uh, earthquake preparedness, fire suppression, uh, light, uh, search and rescue, triage, first, all those kinds of things. And they're just great skill sets to have under your belt. Yeah. So, and I mean, even on a day to day thing, I mean, forget disasters. I mean, mm-hmm. someone, I mean, there wasn't that long ago, a friend of ours had, took a big spill on their bike oh, and they yeah. came here. And so I was able to take care of them because yep. they knew that I had a, a good first aid kit. See, I mean, it's even mm-hmm. on a day to day basis to have those kind of skills is really, really good. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things that you do well is what I've noticed. And I, I, I think like my hesitation, especially about it, the reason I get sad, I get mm-hmm. scared. I don't want to think about it. It's mm-hmm. hard to let myself go there. 
Um, but then I went to your earthquake preparedness class, and mm. this is a podcast on play and yeah. grounding, but play. Um, but one of the things I loved about it was how you teach it. it I mean, it's important stuff mm. to know, but it's also one of those things that when you choose to spend your Saturday doing something like that, mm. it's kind of like, uh, it's going to be sad and yeah. scary, and I don't want to do that. And so you just put it off. Right. But you made... Can I just say, first of all, this gentleman is a huge fan of The Walking Dead and The That's Road true. and a lot of these other things. Yeah. So tell us how you teach your, your earthquake preparedness class. <laughs> uh, well, I teach it not like The the Road or The Walking Dead. No, uh, no, yeah, no granted, I have, a, you know, I have a thing for post-apocalyptic movies and things like that. Zombies. Yeah, but you know, obviously, you know, we, you know, we got to think of those things well, yeah. really in terms of fiction, but also yeah. in terms of, you know, they do reflect, mm -hmm. you know, emergency scenarios in a way. But anyway, my whole approach was to really just keep it light, really keep it yes, fun, yes. you know, because otherwise people just get freaked out. I mean, uh -huh. I want to keep it realistic. Yeah. Um, you know, if we have a 7, 8, 8 point plus in, in Los Angeles, it's going to be horrible. It will be, yes. It'll be terrible. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean the chances of death mm -hmm. statistically are very low. Mm -hmm. uh, the statistics of building collapse are also very low. Yeah. Uh, and the most important thing is going to be, if, if it is that size, then there's going to be infrastructure that's going to collapse yes. and especially in terms of emergency services yes what people don't realize they think oh if something bad happens i call 911 yes and that's it the help will come that is not going to happen mm -mm. uh one uh lafd will spend the first two to three maybe even four days just assessing the city mm -hmm. they're not going to be making any calls they're going to be putting all their resources to the biggest uh, dangers in the city, the mm -hmm. largest fires, the largest risk of uh, mass casualties, all that sort of thing. So if you've broken your arm or something like that, they're not going to come. Mm -hmm. the, uh, and the other thing about that, your phones are not going to work. Which leads into... Which leads into... <laughs> I was thinking about this because I'm looking at these magical little devices yeah. to which we have our entire lives on. <laughs> and I remember I was home for Christmas and I'd taken all my stuff and I forgot my phone. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... I'm there with my uncle. We're going to go to my brother's house. And he couldn't remember how to get there. I didn't have his telephone number memorized. Mm -hmm. I didn't have maps with me. Yep. I'm going, I've become a slave to this thing. Me too. I don't have any numbers memorized at right. all. And so those, are, those phones are not going to either, the cell towers are going to go down or what happened in th things like 9-11, mm -hmm. um, Hurricane Katrina. The cell phone towers are either damaged or overwhelmed mm -hmm. and they're not working. So you, you're not going to be able to get a call out anyway. Nope. So I'm going, well, what works? And I'd always remember seeing my parents, my, no, my grandparents shortwave radio. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I grew up in, you know, in, in your Butler and I would listen to it at night and hear, you know, transmissions from Belgium and all around the world come so in. Cool. And I always found a fascination with it. And then all of a sudden, like this little bell, like the little voice is like, you need to get this. <laughs> and like being in the, an artist, you think this is like, way off the map for me and it, it really was it I, did I, seem weird a, a little yeah but. it was it was it was you know it's a lot of electronics and rules and regulations mm -hmm. and all this sort of stuff and math stuff i hadn't used since high school and mm -hmm. so but i say look i i really need to get this mm -hmm. i'm a relatively intelligent person mm -hmm. i can do this so what i did i just studied yeah and it is not that difficult. And how did you how did you get involved? Like when you first decided I want to try ham radio, like what did you do? Well, I was sort of kind of lost in the woods for a bit because I really didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about the culture. I didn't know, you know, I just I had a picture of like white pasty guys in their 
grandmother's basement, you know, <laughs> and uh, with like wires going up the side of the house. Uh, so, I mean, after, so after, there's three levels of, of ham radio licensing. You have your technician, which is your entry level. That gets you on basic basic frequencies, which are like the repeater towers around the city. Uh, then, then there's the general, and that gets you on all the big waves. Those are the waves that you can bounce off the, off the sky so and get cool. around the world. And then there's the extra, which is the hardest, and it gives you the least amount of privileges, but it's kind of cool to have. Yeah. So I went, and, I went and got that too. What if you're? What if like there is an emergency? Is this something that someone could get in case of emergency, or is it something that they would get as deep into as you have? Just out of curiosity. Oh, oh, in, getting into ham radio? Yeah, yeah. Um, you, it's it's as deep as you want to go. Okay. Some people get their technician license, pick up a handheld radio, and that's it. That's all they. Do. That's all they do. But that means that if something did happen, they would be able to communicate. In an, in an emergency? Yes, uh, possibly. Okay. Uh, the thing is, and this is, this is what leads me to the next, my other net, which is mm -hmm. the way we communicate with little handheld radios is there are repeater towers all over the city. Okay. So if, you can, if your signal can hit one tower, it'll hit the other towers. Oh, okay. So, so if someone's on the other side of a mountain, say, I can t and they could, we can all see the same series of towers, mm -hmm. then we can talk to one another. Okay. So I can get on the radio and talk to someone who's in San Diego. And are these towers um, d dependent on an electrical grid? Uh, most of them are, um, have all emergency power. Okay. But, he you know, here's the thing. Or solar, depending on how robust they are. Now, a lot of them aren't. A lot of them mm -hmm. do they go out just on a normal basis. Or yeah. if they're tied into the grid, then there's that. Now, yeah. some of them have emergency power. For how long? Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Two, yeah. three days. Uh, so... What I did is I, I, I created what you call a simplex net. Hmm. Now, to, what simplex is, is basically you're talking and listening to someone on the same frequency. Just like your regular walkie-talkies. Mm -hmm. You know, those little bubble pack radios you go on. Yeah. Same thing, except a lot more powerful. Okay. So what I did is I have a base station, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, up in my room which is very warm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I have a big antenna up on the roof, yes. so I'm not using my handheld. I'm using, you know, 45 watts being pumped wow. out into the, into the sky. And I'm like, so I'm not hitting repeater towers. I'm hitting direct radio operators. Wow. So it's all of us doing radio across the city. Okay. So that means we're completely independent. We're not dependent on the electrical grid. Um, my radio is hooked up to solar power. Mm -hmm. So I've got, you know... You know, I could run off my battery for three days even if I didn't have it hooked up to the solar power. Mm -hmm. So this way, we've created a net that has encompassed probably about 120 different uh, radio operators, all the way from Chatsworth out to uh, Irvine to Catalina wow. Island. And now we're kind of, kind of trying to get deeper into Riverside, definitely all the way out to the coast. That's awesome. So I, we can communicate all over the city. So people always say, it jokingly, but not jokingly around here, if something bad happens in the city, get to get to Theory Labs, get to Kevin's house, because uh, you're, you're the communicator. I'm like, the so communicator, <laughs> but I, this is not what I recommend. No, no, um, no. no. It's, it's, it's hard enough kind of getting all the roommates onto yes. the same page we in terms trying, of this. Yes. You guys are doing great. <laughs> we uh, got all of our fire extinguishers. Yeah, we got our fire extinguishers, picking up water water, picking up food. Yeah. Uh, but I want us to be able to hang in there for, for two to three weeks mm -hmm. if we need to. Yep. We need to shut the door yep. and wait out, you know, because we don't know how long a recovery period is going to be. Mm -mm. That's the difficulty. I know that we can communicate. So yeah. if you're going to come here, you, you're not coming for water or food. No, no. <laughs> uh, you're coming for, uh, and that's easy enough to say. To send a message. Yeah. Uh, I was like, like, we have metal doors, <laughs> you zombies, know, no windows zombies and roof access. <laughs> 
And so I, you know, it's not that we're not here to help. No, we are. Uh, and, but even though, again, there is, there is that balance between, uh, you know, being community centered and then you have a whole bunch of people who don't have nothing. Yeah. You know, that's the, that's a difficult because most people, uh, I forget the statistic, but it's something like 60 to 70% of people feel that they have absolutely Zero, Zero preparation for any emergency whatsoever. I had nothing. I had yeah, they nothing. have nothing. And there's only three days of uh, food in any grocery store. Mm-hmm. But also that means there's not going to be any power, so you're not going to be able to charge anything. So mm-hmm. you should kind of have some cash laying around in small bills mm-hmm. because if you have a $20 bill and there's a bottle of water, that's a $20 oh, bottle yep. of water. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so there, is, there is a balance there. And I kind of, you know, I don't. I, like I said, this is where the doomsday preppers go in a, in a whole other direction. Yeah. But it's yeah. like, I am concerned about people who don't have their stuff together. Well, I think that that's actually the message that I had not heard. Mm-hmm. The thing that was a surprise to me is, but not in a way when people describe it. And it's funny, I feel like that maybe the people with this message have been out lobbying among Hollywood writers because mm-hmm. I, you know how sometimes certain topics, there are actually mm-hmm. people that go out to lobby Hollywood writers to write about certain topics to, right. to spread awareness. Uh-huh. And I feel like this might be one of them nowadays because I'm finding it on different television shows saying the police aren't going to come. The fire people aren't going to come for two weeks. Don't plan on anyone coming to find you for two weeks. Uh-huh. This is the message that I feel like this is really important. Like yeah. to just the three day thing is a kind of a joke and we're all right. really addicted to our connected lifestyles of mm-hmm. being able to call 911. But there is, they, we won't be able to call 911 um, if, we're, if our phones aren't working in any way. Right. And we can't assume that there's going to be a big, you know, parade into our neighborhood to save us. Right. Um, so, yeah, this two-week message, I think, is really vital because, yeah, we want to be generous. Right. But if not enough people hear this word and if not mm. enough people understand this, it's going to be a problem even for the people who do prep. Well, it is. It's very, yeah, it's very much a problem because also, because um, emergency services, they're going to be compromised as well. Like mm-hmm. in the Northridge quake, uh, one of the fire engines literally hit the ceiling and fell over with oh 5,000 gallons of water in it. That's how oh. powerful it was. So they're going to be compromised as well. Mm-hmm. Also, there's only 3,000 firefighters for the entirety of Los Angeles, and only 1,000 of them wow. are on duty at one time. Wow. So you can do the math on that mm-hmm. for how many millions of people in Los Angeles. I yeah. mean, it's something like 4,000 people to one emergency worker. Yeah. And if you live out in, in a smaller, in a more remote area, which are also very prone to quakes, mm-hmm. it could get even worse. Yeah, and also uh, transportation around the city is going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone has their maps on their phone. Except on The Walking Dead, they drove their car down the L.A. River. So they that, did. Everyone remember, use the L.A. River because you won't be able to get on any of the freeways. Yes, maybe, yes. That was it's a possibility. <laughs> that is, that is, that is, that is, it is possible. But it's also have a physical map to know like where you know the streets yeah. are because otherwise you're not going to have the conductivity. Yeah. You know, the phones are going to be out. And after a while, with no power, you're going to lose all power in your phone anyway. Yeah. So, and again, LAFD, Red Cross, all say two weeks minimum. Got it. Two weeks minimum. And and what do you and you started these classes so that we could get this because obviously, yes. like thinking about a map, things like that. Your website has a mm-hmm. list of resources, and mm-hmm. Amazon actually has packing lists for these oh, kinds yeah. of things. They make it simple. I mean, you could do it on your own. You know, you could say, yeah. "Well, I can get a backpack and buy all the ingredients," and you can do that too. But I've made yeah. it easy so you can just like buy the thing. Yeah. So on his website, he actually has lists of things to to buy. Um, but I really love your class, like the name of your earthquake class. It's, yes. What is it called again? Called, uh, earthquake 101, uh, A Humble God and How Not to Die. <laughs> and I love it because in a lot of ways, we can't, if, if we keep thinking of this as just this big, horrible thing, right? Um, we're never going to pay attention to it. We're going to ignore it because in our 
it's easier. It's so much easier to ignore the thing yeah. that may or may not happen. Right. It's so it's like, it hasn't happened yet. So it's just, <laughs> no, I'm just going to stay in ignorant bliss and it's just never going to happen. Yeah. And you know, the, you know, obviously the difficulty with that is, um, that's stupid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, and like I said, our, our plate is locked right now. Yeah. We even had a major quake or even a moderate quake in yeah. a long time. Yeah. And the, uh, what was, uh, what's the other point I was going to make? Um, uh, what is it? What is I can it? What edit, is it? So it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was something with the class. There was a like... class, humble guide, how not to die, having fun. Oh with yeah. Oh, well, here, here's the and here's the reason I, I began to do the class because there's so much myth and fear about earthquakes uh, that, like last year, uh, San Andreas came out, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see it. And I was like, oh my gosh, seriously. <laughs> this is my favorite part of the class. This is. Re- it's like, this is ridiculous. I mean, they show Los Angeles shattering like peanut brittle and this mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like, it's not going to look like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's oddly, and no one else who actually died in the movie either. You see all yeah. this just massive destruction yeah. and no one died. Um, the buildings aren't going to do that. So a, real, <laughs> a lot of this was sort of a, 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 an antidote to a lot of the fear and myth. What's the best myth? What's your favorite myth to bust? Uh, my favorite myth is is actually probably the most practical one, which is what do you do during an earthquake? Oh yeah. I mean that is this. Most people get this wrong. He took a poll in the class, and most of us totally got most it wrong. got most get it wrong because most people they want to do one or two things, which is they want to run outside immediately, get out of the building, or get in a doorway. Yeah. And both of those absolutely false. Running outside is the worst thing you can do. That's what I did during the the, the Golden Gate or whatever, the earthquake back in the Bay Area when mm-hmm. I was in eighth grade. I ran outside and everyone's like, what are you doing? Yeah, most people, yeah, running outside is the worst. That's the, that's the best way to get yourself people killed. People told me to stand in a doorway though instead. Uh, doorway is also a myth. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 the doorway myth came out of uh, photographs out of the San Francisco earthquake when they built like these big massive doors with like, you know, uh, cornerstones and all this sort of stuff oh. and they were the only things that were standing after huh. an earthquake well we don't have those we don't do them no. no, the uh, a door is no more architecturally sound than any anywhere else in the house and yeah. you'll get hit with a door yeah <laughs> true so true. and like i said i showed pictures from the from the christ church earthquake where the buildings were there were all jacked up but all the rubble glass and power lines are right outside the door they wow. would have been fine had they stayed inside but they ran outside, and that's where they got killed. Good grief. So running outside, bad, bad, terrible idea. What you do is you get under something sturdy, mm-hmm. cover your head, close your eyes, hold on, ride it out. Ride it out. Ride it out. Wow. Yeah, that's that's what you do. Uh, what's the what's another really good myth? Um, <laughs> oh, uh, that little earthquakes will uh, mitigate large earthquakes. Yeah, I always heard that too. We have to relieve the stress. Oh, so it's relieving the stress. It's relieving the stress. Yes. Uh, that is also false. Um, now, they do relieve energy, but what people don't un- realize is that the Richter scale works on a factor of 10. Yes. So a, a 4 is not twice as strong as a 3. It's 10 times as strong as a 3, mm-hmm. which means then a 5 is 100 times, 6 is 1,000, oh 7 is 10,000 times stronger than a 3. So you can have all the little 3s that you want, and it is not going to mitigate a 6 or a 7. Those always made me feel so much better. Yeah, you would need 10,000 of them. I'm like, well, we just had a little earthquake. That means it's going to be less when the big one comes. No, yeah, no. Okay. They relieve energy nowhere near enough enough okay. to mitigate a large quake. So we are still definitely destined for this relatively soon. That's what scientists say. Got it. You know, I'm you know, I'm always careful to say like you know it's coming. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I know it has to happen. I mean, it still could be, you know, most science, and you're going to get conflict over this as yeah. well. Uh, most agree that it's going to happen within 30 years. Uh, some think a lot sooner. Uh, wow. Just because of the nature of how the plate is behaving right now in mm-hmm. that we are really in a long-standing silent zone. Mm-hmm. And silent zones are bad. 
Silent zones are very bad. So yeah, so we're we're due for it. I mean, it could happen. Like I said, it could happen tomorrow. It could Mm -hmm. happen in ten years. I don't know. Yeah. But so, go get. Go get go your get stuff. Ready. Well, and also the other the other thing is that people get really intimidated by this. Like, oh my gosh, I got to buy radios and all this food, and I don't have the money for it. Where stuff. do I get to store it? Where am I going to store it? <laughs> Eat the elephant one bite at a time. Yes, yes, yes. Every time you go out, you know, because I know a lot of people are on they're artists, they're on tight budgets and mm-hmm. all the rest of it. Every time you go out to get groceries, pick up one little thing okay. and put it aside. Pick up one little thing and put it aside. Mm-hmm. Pick up a life straw. Yeah. I recommend this more than anything else. You can get them online anywhere. They're twenty bucks. You can drink out of your toilet. That's awesome. okay. They were built. They were designed to for people in third world nations so they could drink out of swamps where they had they don't have clean water. Yeah. Uh, and that also way, the, the toilet from Home Depot. The whole the toilet from Home Depot. Ah, that's so cool. Oh yes, because uh, in the in the ingenious way that they laid out the infrastructure in Los Angeles, as they did in most cities, it's like I don't know who put their line down first. Say water put the, the yeah. line down first, and they had their trench. So the gas people said, hey, trench, can we use your trench? And they put the gas line in there. And the sewer people were like, hey, trench, can we put our sewer in there? So you've got all three of these lines running together, <laughs> and um, a main can shatter, a main can break with a 5.5. Oh, my god! So this is what happened in Northridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people remember the big flames coming up out of the Ventura mm-hmm. Boulevard. Yep. Um, yeah, you just have this co-mingled poo water flaming up out of, <laughs> out of the ground. And that means your toilets aren't going to work. You're not going to have running water. And so, you know, you got to shut everything off so stuff doesn't come back into your yeah. pipes, you know, or it doesn't get pulled back out, mm-hmm. you know. So you just want to shut all that stuff off and know how to shut them off. Yeah. No first aid. Know, know, the, know the basics. And, and again, you can find all this stuff online. It's very yeah. standard. But water is your most important resource. Get a yeah. couple five-gallon things and just keep them filled. And there are some great uh, – th- I think the potty is definitely interesting too. It's it's on a Home Depot bucket with right. a pool noodle. With a little pool noodle. And it's actually recommended by Burning Man for, for Burning Man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and speaking of that too, yeah. I think like did any of the – I mean you've been with – you've been burning since like – 96. Yeah. So you've been there from the very beginning. I mean talk about – Radical self-reliance. I mean, you guys were out there when there was literally nothing else out there. If you didn't bring your stuff, you weren't going to have this Playa Provides moment. People mm-hmm. were just going to laugh at you. Right, right. Um, that has, has any of being a part of that culture and, and kind of growing with that over the years influenced this Oh, all? yeah, absolutely. Because the, the idea of being radically self-reliant is, well, you'll... You're radically self-reliant. Yep. <laughs> you know? Um, it's also the ethos that came out of Gigsville was talking about the duocracy, mm-hmm. which is like you, no one should be saying, hey, you know what you should do? Mm-hmm. But it means if you want something done, you do it. Yep. So, and it really taught me to really have my crap together, mm-hmm. you know, because I had to. You're in the middle of the desert. I don't want to have – normally you, someone, someone always forgets something or something gets broken. So it's, there's there's that. But I want to make sure I have all my stuff sorted out. Yeah. You know, I don't care what it is. It's like, hey, I got an extra headlamp. I've got this stuff. So it's like, I've got all my stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that fed, that helped, you know, lead, lead, you know, lead to this. So, I mean, so really, you know, burner culture is actually more ahead of the curve yeah. in times of this, you know, in, in terms of emergency preparation. And also, so what they, what is needed more is more education yes. in terms of what to do, what not to do, how to have a plan, mm-hmm. uh, you know. There's so many things that you can think about, which is, it's like, say for married couples, mm-hmm. it's like, if, if have a, have a plan for your home, mm-hmm. it's like, if we have a big quake, I'm coming to you. 
yeah. you stay where you're at, I'm coming to you, or yes. you stay there and I'm coming to you. But yeah. have that figured out ahead of time because you're going to be sitting there in silence like, should I get out to yeah, see or they're going to come my way? And you yeah. don't know and you could pass in the, oh, in the, in the night. Oh, that's so scary. To have a plan. Yeah. Have a plan. And that's with, you know, kids and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And also having the same amount of supplies for your pets. Yes, yes. Which include medications, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, if you're a drinker, maybe yeah. you want to have a little something, you know, or around. Smoker. Or a smoker. <laughs> the last thing you want to do is quit smoking during those yeah, two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> wanting to quit smoking during a, during a major uh, disaster event is uh, probably a really unfortunate bad thing. No, that exactly. would be bad. Well, it's know, already stressful <laughs> enough. I, it was a funny thing, like... Because, like I said, like even thinking about doing this stuff is frightening mm. for people. Like mm -hmm. you know, just because it's unpleasant to think about, we mm -hmm. don't we don't choose to think unpleasant thoughts. Right. Like, this isn't. We don't know what's going to happen. So we don't think about it. But I actually, it was almost exhilarating for me mm. to go to Burning Man for the first time right. and think about surviving under these circumstances mm -hmm. and and coming home and and actually doing it. And people go, Oh, I don't want to go because I'm going to get it's going to be too hot or I'm going to get dust in my hair. Mm. And I'm like, Yeah, and it's kind of awesome because you yeah. come home feeling like I can do anything. I, like, I can take this. care of myself. I can, you know, and, and where I, I think there might, I mean, be a weird way of thinking of this as something on a podcast about play, but it's exhilarating to, to really allow yourself to really put yourself in context right. on this planet. You're mm -hmm. a speck. Right. And in the middle of an emergency, you can't be, you're not going to be a really important person where the sirens are going to be coming down the street to come yeah. save your day. And so it's a fun feeling to go, wow, I can take care of myself. Yeah. And the idea that I can then go and learn to take care of others. Right. The way that you have done and mm -hmm. these cert classes that you're doing, that's even more, you know, empowering and exciting. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just... No, it is. I mean, it is exciting. It is like it is like play. In a lot of ways, it takes the takes the fear out of it. Mm -hmm. Yes, and yes, knowing yes. that you can just like I got I've got my stuff sorted out. Yep. You know, but because a lot of people are just absolutely terrified about it. I, I, there's a couple people that I know in particular, you know, <laughs> who I'm not going to name. You know, who I was like, I had the class like you have purposely not ever ever shown up to it because I know it terrifies them. Yeah, it they terrifies do not, me. They do not, cannot, will not think about it. Yeah. You know, and I remember in talking uh, to, you know, a friend of mine saying, you know, we all have stuff sorted out and you don't, yeah. you know, it's like, that means you're going to be on your own. It's like, do you understand that? Like, yes, I do. Now the reality of that, oh, when it happens, the reality of that is, is completely different than what's happening in their head. Yeah. You know, because how's the horrible, what a horrible thing to be sitting there and all of a sudden, like, I know they don't have any food. Yeah, no, they that don't have any food. And they don't have any water. Yep. And we all do. Yep. At what point? At what point does that tip? Mm -hmm. You know. And usually, yeah, I mean, most most people, you know, researchers and historians say like five days is a is a big tipping point. Mm -hmm. Hunger does very very terrible things to people. Yeah. People who uh, act rationally, in um, even in high stress situations. Hunger will do something very, very different to them. Mm -hmm. So that's that is my big concern in the long run. Yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, yes, we live in a very there's a lot of abundance around us, mm -hmm. you know, and and it's hard to imagine anyone starving. You know that most mm -hmm. homeless people have, and that's a whole other topic that you've mm -hmm. also spent a lot of time um, thinking right. about and t talking to a lot of people. Um, but when the, a kind of thing like this happens, um, being that that person. I mean, I know there's even, even in a Burning Man context, to kind right. of put it into a smaller little mm -hmm. microcosm, um, people who show up, they hitchhike, they get there, they assume that the universe is wanted me to be here and mm -hmm. I'm here 
and I don't have anything, but that's okay because people are going to just provide for me. You know, the player provides or people resent yeah. people like that. Like, yeah. You know, nobody really the wants universe, them around their camp. Because... The universe doesn't give a crap about you. Exactly. I'm sorry. The only, the only, the playa is not providing. Someone who Somebody... went and bought some stuff is, pro- is providing for you. So, Someone who is, I'm who's sorry. For ahead of time to take care of people like you. Yeah. You know, I'm like, sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm sorry. It's one of the things that pisses me off the most. I cannot stand that mentality. No, me at all it's so antithetical yes you know and that's not the same thing as like you did all the stuff you could you got there and go oh man i totally forgot my headlamp somebody will have that's a yeah. that's different yeah you know i mean and that's or something why breaks. we bring extra like yeah. that's why everybody brings extra i exactly. pack two of a lot of things because i know somebody's like oh yeah my it. drill just went out can yeah. i borrow yours whatever <laughs> yeah you know? so i mean so anyway it's, yeah it's, it's the same situation like this except mm-hmm. this is a whole different context yeah, very you know because you're going to have a lot of people who are freaked out um mm-hmm. they don't know what to do and I mean, even with a moderate quake, I mean, Northridge, they rated it only as like a 6.8. I, I remember it being a 7.2. But mm-hmm. I, I remember my friend Julia, she ran out of the house screaming in her underwear. And then she was so freaked out that the only thing that she could do to feel like she had some sense of control was she took some masking tape and wrapped it around her bookshelf. I mean, just, I'm like, look, 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 Julia, what, are you, what is this? What are you doing? This is absurd. But she just wanted to feel like some sense of proactivity that she yeah. did something yeah. even something completely baffling and, and <laughs> useless as this um so yeah so just have get yourself educated get yeah. yourself educated then get on with your life get on yourself exactly this doesn't necessarily this have not, to become something you think about all the no, time no it's nothing you think about you just something that you have you know in the back of your head i've got mm-hmm. my stuff sorted out you know i've got enough for mm-hmm. water food first aid fast batteries flashlights radios and for, you're yeah. also prepared for other things as well i know i I'd recently met a woman you knew uh, that you also know mm-hmm. um she said that she got into ham radio and this whole survivalist community because she was wanting to hike. She right. was recently divorced, really needed, wanted to get a life, chose hiking just to be mm-hmm. her new hobby. Right. And that's how she started discovering ways to take care of herself on, on trails. Yeah. And then she ran into ham radio and started learning things like you need two weeks worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's how she got into it. Mm-hmm. But also now she's much better prepared to go on great adventures. Yeah. There's a lot more to this than just being prepared for Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, hammering is just not obviously for just emergency mm-hmm. situations. I mean, how often do you all of a sudden you lose cell phone service? You're driving up in the mountains somewhere, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden there goes your map. Yep. Do you remember how to get there? Nope. Up, oh, it's out. Yep. We'll, just, we'll stop and ask directions. Or, but, mm-hmm. I mean, we've had it where they were, they've had, uh, people have had accidents, and they had to get on the radio. Yeah. We were driving to Burning Man two years ago, and all of a sudden something blows in the engine. You know, yep. and I had just kind of gotten sort of my license. It was pretty recent. I stuck the antenna on the on the top of the <laughs> roof, and my friend was just like make, totally making fun of me, like, oh, you're that guy. Uh, well, then the car uh... broke down. <laughs> so I was able to get on the radio. Not only was I able to get a hold of some guy who whose wife owned the same kind of vehicle and was yeah. able to diagnose it, I also got a hold of a, a ranger who was a ham radio operator. You know, I'm like, you will never mock me yes. again. <laughs> You know, considering that this community is very playful and very silly, mm-hmm. um, but you and you are too. Yes, you, you oh, are, absolutely. Like I mentioned, this when we talk again, um, Kevin is an artist. Mm. A very, he's one of those very rare artists who actually makes a full living on his <laughs> art. And there is a film coming out about him. Well, not well, about, not you, about me, but, but yeah. But a, a, and the, it's a fiction. It's a, it's it's a, a fictional story. Fictional story. 
And the, well, it. and the, the main character is, I would say, semi-based on me. Yeah. There's many aspects to it that he's not me, but, but I was... But the art is your art. The art's art. all mine. Yeah, yes, the he... art's all mine. I had to, I had to go in and uh, coach him how to paint like, paint like me. Yeah. So I had to create a, an original nine-piece series for the movie. And it's uh, it was like a year ago. It was actually a year ago we finished. The rap party was about a year ago yesterday. Yeah, and it's and it's gonna it's being submitted. It's, it's being submitted to Sundance as we speak. Yeah. So like this is why we're not talking about art this time because we're going to talk about art when this movie gets closer to coming out because I really yeah. want you guys to hear all about this. But all that to say, this is not a person who's like you know. Duddy duddy, no, everybody. I mean, this is a person who inspired me to put emergency services stuff on my wedding registry. Yes, <laughs> because he does make it fun. And yeah. you have classes. You you do classes around town. You've done mm-hmm. them at people request them, and you're able to go do different. Yeah, I was able to do them. Uh, I was able to do one at my church last week. I was able to do one in Hollywood about two weeks before that. Mm-hmm. I've done a number of them here. Uh, so yeah, I know. And um, also your website. The website has a video on it. And it has a video. It yeah, has it the has, video of the last one we did here at Theory. The video, it has lists, mm-hmm. packing lists of stuff you can get. It also has, um, so links to everything you need, mm-hmm. um, recommendations, that kind of thing. Also, you'll find out, you can sign up by email maybe and sign mm-hmm. and be able to find out when he's going to be leading more seminars because they're a lot of fun. Yeah, they're or if you have a question or anything like that, like I said, there's... there's you can go as deep as you want in this mm-hmm. kind of thing, but you know people are going to have questions, so feel free to shoot me a, a question. Or I've got three lists. I've got the the, the basic, mm-hmm. you know, that's sort of like the bare minimum. Yeah. Then I've got like a serious list, which is the one I kind of recommend if you really want to have your stuff sorted out. Give the serious. Then I've got mm-hmm. the uh, the hardcore list, which is hardcore. Hardcore. That's, that's if you want to if you want to go in deep and produce your own water out of thin air, you can you can get. Get exactly. stuff on that list. And so. just if you're sitting there feeling afraid, if you're mm. sitting there, or or if you feel like maybe this is an interesting topic, mm. but I just want to get on to the next podcast because it's, you know, going to lighten my day and this mm-hmm. one made me think of scary things, just think how you'll feel if you are prepared. Mm-hmm. Because the feeling that we have now is that huge unknown. Right. And getting doing this preparation... It's like taking our head out of the sand and going, mm. oh, this is something we have a little bit of control over. Mm-hmm. How we respond is how we can, what we can control. Right. And, it, and what Kevin is out there preaching to us and letting us know is you can take responsibility for this stuff. And that means when this stuff happens, not only will you be prepared, but you also now have the keys to um, other adventures and other things you can do out there. In it's the world. true. It is fun. It is play. I remember mm-hmm. the first time I went kind of went serious shopping, you know, mm-hmm. and I went to SOS Industries with uh, with Crunchy, and I was like, "This is fun! Oh, yeah. we're gonna get the radio, yeah. and we're gonna get the little blinky thing, and this, you know, it was fun." I mean, who didn't love walkie talkies when we were kids? Yeah, exactly. Right? It's like this is fun, you know, and because then you feel like, "Wow, I, I just did something really proactive." Yes, you know, I just took the fear out of it, you know, and then you know the next wave, and you pick up some stuff here, and you put it in a little bin, and just then you get on with your life. But it is. It is fun. You gotta cool. look at it as an adventure. I will, and also I'm just reminded now that I don't have an anchor on that yeah. shelf right there. Okay, or yeah, or that. I don't think that anything's gonna move that, but <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> we're, we're assessing my house as we speak. But thank you, Kevin. So my pleasure. Much. This is amazing. Thank you. And we will definitely be talking again closer to when the movie comes out about yes. your art. Yes. Because Kevin's Looking art is kind of oh my gosh, amazing. And yeah, oh, thank you. It's awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being well. Thank here. you. Thanks for joining me again at the Playgrounding Podcast. You can find links to Kevin's emergency prep website, K1KMO, as well as CERT, where you'll learn about joining the community emergency response teams. 
Join me next week when you'll meet a sweet, mild-mannered fashion designer named Amber. Okay, I lied. There's nothing mild about this woman. In fact, she scares the crap out of me. You're gonna love her. See you next week.